Amen. Luke chapter two, and uh, here we go. I'm reading from the, the NIV version. I'll make it as easy as possible. We won't even read from the big, you know, in our house when we were younger, we had a big King James Version Bible that sat on the, the coffee table. And dad would pull that big old thing out and it would be, thus says the Lord. You know, it was like all that. I'm gonna do NIV for you today to make it even easier. So, so hopefully you can hang in there. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. That's a loaded sentence, isn't it? She was pregnant, but they weren't married. That's a, that's a tough situation on Christmas. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and put him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. I want to preach to you a sermon titled, uh, This is Not What I Asked For. This is not what I asked for. All the, all the kids in the room, they, we understand this every Christmas. Something we ask for we don't get. I'll never forget, my brother was asking one year for a Batman figure, and uh, he, in his mind, had this Batman figure that he had saw in Walmart that was about this tall, and uh, when it came Christmas time, he, he opened his gift, and it was a little Batman figurine that was about this big, and my parents were like, you love it? And he's like, this is not <laughs> what I asked for, and I'm pretty sure in this situation, Joseph and Mary and everything that's happening to them, this is not what they asked for. They just wanted to get married and start life together. And here we find a baby. And then can you imagine hundreds of years of prayer and, and believing that a savior would come and God gives us one, but it comes as a baby. This is not what we asked for. Father, in Jesus' name we pray that you would give us just an incredible time in your word today. Help us to see you clear. Help us to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. This is not what I asked for. I wanna tell you a story, uh, not from my life, but a story that I heard uh, recently. I heard it years ago, but I heard it again recently. And I felt like, man, I really need to tell this story because it really ties everything that I wanna say to you together. There's a story about a man and his son and the mom has passed away and the father is now left with the task of raising his son. And he's not doing a very good job at it because he's starting a business and he doesn't have a lot of time to spend with the son. So as the child grows, him and his father, they grow apart and the relationship is not good. There's a lot of stress in the relationship, a lot of strain in the relationship. And sometime around when the son begins college, the son decides, hey, I really want 
to develop a relationship with my dad. I feel like I've been missing out on something in my life. And so he, he decides that I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna reach out to my dad and try to build a relationship with him. And so the son sits down and he talks to his father and he says, listen, I know things haven't been good between us and I know they haven't been the same since mom passed away, but I want a relationship with you. And the father is so overwhelmed because he, he didn't have a good father and so he doesn't know what it looks like to really truly be a dad. He's just, so much joy is in his heart and tears are falling down his face and he grabs his son and embraces him and says, I want a relationship with you too. And so for the, the remainder of his college life, they, they get close, man. And one day they are out and they're just driving around looking at cars. And the father by this time has a very successful business, millions of dollars, and the son and him are looking around at cars because the father collects sports cars. And one day they're, 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 they're on the lot and, and they're, they're looking at cars and the son sees a car that he just absolutely falls in love with. And he says, Dad, if you get me anything for graduation, this is the car that I want for graduation. I, I just want you to know, Dad, like I don't want anything else from you. All I want is this car when I graduate. The dad kind of smiles and nods at him, and, and the son, just to be sure that the father knows that this is the gift that he wants, he makes sure to tell all of the family, make sure you let dad know that this is the thing that I want when I graduate college. Well, he graduates college, and they have a party for him at the house after the graduation is over. They get back to the house and they're hanging out and everybody's having a good time and the dad taps his son on the shoulder and he says, hey, I want you to come upstairs with me. I've got your gift. I've got your graduation gift for you. And he gets excited because he knows what he's asked for and he knows that the father has the means to give it to him and so he really believes that he's got the car. He runs upstairs with his dad and they sit down at the desk and during these four years of college, the father has been trying to reach out to his son concerning his relationship with God. He's been trying to tell him about Jesus and the difference that Jesus has made in his life, but the son doesn't really wanna listen to this. He's kind of been taken up in the, in the college thing, and he's kind of uh, got this uh, philosophical mindset and doesn't really believe in, in any of the stuff that his dad is presenting to him. And so they're sitting at the table, and the dad gets this box off of the shelf, and he puts the box down in front of the son and he presses it, uh, pushes it across the table to his son. And the son thinks, I'm gonna open this box and the key to this car is gonna be in this box. So he opens up the box and it's not a key to a car, it's a Bible. It's a Bible and his name is engraved on the Bible and the father is sitting back like with the biggest smile on his face thinking, I just gave you the greatest gift you could ever get. And the son is so frustrated that the four years of relationship that he had built up with the father, he walks away from in that moment because of his frustration with the gift. He looks at his dad and says, you've always been a disappointment. This is just another disappointment in my life. He gets up from the table, goes upstairs, packs a bag, and leaves home never to return again, it seemed. Angry at his dad. He gets married a couple years later. He's got a great job now, he's got a great spouse, and. They're pregnant, getting ready to have a kid, and didn't invite his dad to the wedding. And when the baby comes, he doesn't invite his dad to see the baby. His wife gets pregnant again, and as she's pregnant with the second child, the son begins to be overwhelmed with his emotion of what it means and looks like to be a father and how much he knows his kids are gonna need him. So again, the son decides, you know what? I'm gonna reach out 
to my dad. Even though I've rejected relationship with my dad for these past five years, I'm gonna reach back out to my dad again and, and I'm gonna try to do this again. He reaches back out and his dad immediately says, hey, listen, I love you. I, I want you to come out. Bring, bring your wife, bring your kids. I wanna meet my grandbabies. I, I wanna see you. He, he says, I'm gonna send a private jet to get you and I'm gonna fly you here and you can spend Christmas with me. Well, they decide, okay, let's do this. And so they're getting ready to go. And about a week before they leave, he gets a call. And it's a call from a family member that says, hey, your father has passed away. He's died of a massive heart attack. And uh, he's actually named you the heir of everything that he owns. So the son is overwhelmed. And they decide to still take the trip. So they get on the plane and they fly all the way to the father's house and he gets into his dad's house and he's at his dad's house and he runs up to the office and he's sitting at the office and he's going through some paperwork and he looks up on the shelf and he sees the box with the Bible that his dad had given him still up on the shelf. And by this time, the son has confessed his belief in Jesus and has become a follower of Jesus and so he runs and he grabs that box and he brings it down and he sits it on the, on the table and, and he, he notices in the, in the Bible there's a bookmark. He didn't see it before. He was so angry over, over the gift, he, he didn't see the gift before. So he opens it up to where the bookmark was and it's opened up and it's highlighted in there and it says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more does your heavenly father know how to give the good gifts to his kids? And he starts to weep and he realized that his dad was wanted to give him the greatest gift he could possibly give him, which is Jesus. So he closes the Bible, he picks the Bible up and when he puts it to his chest, a key falls out. And he looks on the floor and he looks at the key and he's like, that looks like the key to the car that I wanted, that I test drove back when I was 18 years old that I asked my dad for. So he grabs the key and he's like, if the key's here, then the car has to be here somewhere. So he runs down to the garage and the garage is full of sports cars. But he looks over in the corner and in the corner there's a car that is covered and there's dust on the cover and he runs over and he pulls the cover off and it's the car that he had asked for. And I wonder how many times we reject the gift because we don't like the wrapping. We don't like the way the gift is packaged. And, and I wonder if after all of these years of we need a savior, we need a Messiah, we need someone to come and rescue us, I wonder if the baby in the manger was a disappointment and I don't really have to wonder that because the Bible teaches us that the Jewish people completely missed the Messiah because they didn't like the way he was wrapped. Remember, the Bible tells us that he was rejected by his own people because they, they saw him as somebody that had grew up with them and, and they knew intimately and they couldn't receive him as the son of God and they couldn't receive the gift because they didn't like the way the gift was wrapped. And I'm wondering how many things we push back across the table to God because we don't like the way they came. And we missed out on the gift because we didn't embrace the gift. We don't, we don't discover the key because we don't embrace the word. 
How, how many times do we push away what doesn't look like what we asked for? Have you ever gotten a Christmas present and you took the wrapping paper off and the box said some store you didn't want anything from for Christmas and your heart dropped and your attitude changed because you were so excited but you were wanting something from Gucci and the box said American Eagle. <laughs> what, if, what if you just, all of the presents, you didn't like the way they were wrapped or the box that they came in, what if all of those presents you just put up on a shelf? What if the American Eagle box contained a Gucci belt? That's a reference. <laughs> Hip hop reference. The kids will get it. I'm trying to be cool right now with my chain and my pants, but whatever. What, what, if, what, if, what if when God puts something in our lives, he never puts it in our lives the way we want it to look? I would submit to you that most of the things that God gives to us as gifts are not what we ask for in their original delivery. But if we will be faithful and we will embrace them, the key to what we've asked for will drop out. <laughs> we asked for a savior, but you gave us a baby. Why? Because God sometimes gives you something you have to raise. Some of y'all didn't get that. We've been asking for a savior. God gives us a baby. Why? Because sometimes you have to develop your deliverance. Sometimes you have to parent your promise. I worked really hard on these last night and I thought you would be really excited about these. <laughs> but, but, I, but I understand because you don't want this gift. We want everything to come to us full grown. We want, we want, to, we want to get married and the next week have a mature marriage. <laughs> oh man, we want to go to a church and the next week be fully embraced by, oh man, but it takes time. It takes, we, we want our kid. We, we want kids, but we want them to act like they're full grown. We, we don't want toddler years. Come on, somebody. We don't want the terrible twos, and we don't want preschool and kindergarten and first grade, and we don't, definitely don't want high school. Dear Jesus, we don't want high school. Could you just give them to me as a little baby and maybe full grown? Skip the whole junior high. Skip the puberty and the boyfriends and the girlfriends and let's just get straight to grandbabies. Come on, somebody. All the grandparents said amen. Let's just move straight to the grandbabies. That's why I had kids anyway. I want grandbabies. <laughs> God, said, God, God teaches us something throughout his word. I, I give you seed, not trees. The only time I gave you trees was in the beginning and in those trees was the seed to continue what I started, but now I don't give you trees, I give you seed. Sometimes I think we, we want sod, and God wants to plant seed. Why do we want sod? Because if you've ever built a house 
and you've got this really pretty house, but then you build it in the winter and you've got all this mud outside. It's a whole lot easier. It's more expensive, but it looks a whole lot better to have somebody come roll some grass out in your lawn versus planting it and putting some hay on it and waiting till the spring to see what you have planted. But God is more interested in developing us than he is making us look like we're finished. He's not concerned with us looking like the finished package. He wants to truly finish us. He he doesn't want us to look finished. He wants to truly finish us. Can I tell you God is a finisher? The Bible tells us in Philippians that he who began a good work in you, he is faithful to bring it to its completion. Can I tell you something about God? He is a finisher. He does nothing incompletely. He may do some things incrementally, but he never does anything incompletely. Can I tell you, if it's not finished, he is not done. Because when he is done, it will be finished. Look at your neighbor and tell him, hey, he finishes what he starts. He's a finisher. He finishes what he starts. Luke 8 and 11 says that God's word is like a seed. God's word is like a seed in our heart is like soil. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 11, he said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, a word that goes over your head does does you no good. Only the word that gets into your heart will work itself out and develop fruit in your life. It's gotta get into your heart. So you have to receive it. It's not good enough to just come to church and hear. You have to prepare your heart to receive what your ears hear. And you have to allow it to get into your heart. You cannot allow your past pain and disappointment and frustration to keep you from receiving a word from God. There is nothing that robs you of present faith like past disappointment. And you have to deal with those moments in your life where you have been disappointed by God. Can I tell you the reason that David had a heart after God's own heart? It's because he had an empty heart. Do you know why he had an empty heart? Because every grievance that he had with God, he told him about. Can I tell you one of the best things you can do for your heart is to tell God when he has let you down. He's not offended by it. It doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt his feelings. He doesn't get angry at you. If you read the book of Psalms, it is like this. It is like, you have let me down. You have let all of my enemies surround me. You have crushed me, but you are faithful. And I sent you even now. And you have, you have let this happen, but you won't let it destroy me. You have let my enemies surround me, but you will not let them overtake me. He's, he has to let his, God know that he's disappointed in what it looks like, but he understands that above all things, God is faithful. That even when I don't understand, and even when it doesn't make sense, and even when I'm hurting the most I have ever hurt in my life, I need to let God know it, but I need to remind myself that God is faithful. And if he saved me before, he can save me again. And if he did it before, he can do it again. And if he loved me before, he still loves me now. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to let him know when I've been hurt. But I also got to remind myself that if he allowed it, then he's going to use it. See, I believe that God is sovereign. 
I'm not, this, I'm not a person that believes that stuff just happens and God's playing catch up to the things that are happening in our lives. I believe that God is sovereign and I believe that if he allows it in your life, then he's gonna use it for his glory. So you've got to begin to change your mindset from, oh man, what is this thing that my dad gave me? I asked for this, but he gave me this. You have to say, this is a gift, and if I'll embrace this, then I'll get the key to the car that I've been asking for. Can I tell you, there are a whole lot more important things than cars in 2018. The peace that you've been asking for, the strength that you've been asking for, the promises that you've been asking, all of that stuff, I only, can, I only can receive it if I embrace what I don't want sometimes. He didn't want anything to do with that Bible five years ago. But watch this. He, it took him five years to receive a gift he should have gotten when he was 18. And sometimes we think that God delays are setting us back. No, 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 no. God delays are actually an opportunity for us to skip a step that everybody else has to take. Watch this. God will take your pain and your rejection, and if you will embrace it as a gift, not say, oh, oh God, you know, uh, I'm really grateful for all of this pain in my life. No, not like that, but embrace it and say, listen, um, sometimes I win and sometimes I learn. Do you hear that? Some of you are so accustomed to sometimes you win, sometimes you lose that you didn't even hear what I said. Sometimes you win and sometimes you learn because it's not a loss if I got a lesson out of it. And what God wants to do is if you'll embrace the gift, he can, he can, ex he, he can excel he can excel your transportation to where he wants you to go. But this is the problem with us. It's not that we love our location. We just love our transportation so much that we can't move. <laughs> so what, what, I, what I tell people so much so all the time is that don't fall so in love with your method that you don't get to where you want to go. It's like somebody saying, man, I want to go to Australia so bad. It's like my dream. I want to be there. It's like it's my favorite place in the world. And, and you're like, hey, have you, have you ever been? They're like, no. Well, why haven't you gone? Well, uh, I, I don't like flying and I don't like boats. Well, you're never going to go to your favorite place unless you're willing to change your method of transportation. Come on, you cannot get in a car and get to Australia. But some of you are still trying to take a car to Australia. And God's saying, stop falling so in love with your method that you never get to where you're going. You've got to begin to release the way you thought it should be and lay hold of sometimes the things you don't like. <laughs> Ooh, embrace the gift. Find the key. You have to stop making decisions based on how you feel. What you see. It was a gift. Watch, what, watch, what, watch this. Let me give you just an example in Scripture. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. Paul says this. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord 
and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It was a gift. Paul said, yeah, this happened to me, but it happened to me for Christ and for others. So you have to, you have to change the way you see what is happening to you as something that, yeah, it's happening to you, but it's not happening to you to hurt you. It's actually happening to you for Christ. God will get the glory out of your struggle. God will get the glory out of your loss, out of your pain, out of your rejection. You have to see them as a gift. That rejection isn't keeping you from what God has for you because it doesn't matter if people reject you, if God accepts you. So I've told you this before, rejection is actually a blessing. It actually tells me where I need to stop wasting my time. And it tells me that, hey, if this door isn't open, then another one is open. Because if they closed it, then it means God didn't open it. Because when God opens the door, no man can shut it. So the rejection was, I embrace rejection as a gift. Thank you for this. It happened to me for Christ. Failure is a gift. It's uniquely wrapped. But it's a gift. <laughs> mm. It's a gift. In Christ, pain isn't punishment for your past. It is discipline and it is preparation for your future. If God ever disciplines you, it's not simply because of the mistakes you've made. It's because he has a better future for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the punishment for your sin. God isn't gonna punish you for your sin. So you're not experiencing something now because God's like, I need to punish you for what you did. No, Jesus took that. Woo, that's good news for somebody today. You're not going through what you're going through because God's like, I need to punish them. No, God doesn't do that. He disciplines. Discipline and punishment are not the same thing. Punishment is about fear. It's, it's, a, it's about retribution for what you have done. And God said, Jesus took all of the pain and the penalty and the suffering for what you have done. So if you're going through pain, it's not because I'm trying to punish you. I'm disciplining you for your future. And I'm preparing you for what I have for you. Even the Bible tells us that he loves those that he disciplines. And when he disciplines us, it, it, it reaps. There's a harvest that is reaped in our lives. Isn't that powerful? That's good news. Will you stand with me today? So I want you to on December 25th or 24th, because that's usually when we get the gifts mostly we didn't ask for, when we go to like in-law's house and we get those strange, like we get like those uh, cartons of Barbasol uh, shave gel from grandma. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Some of you aren't laughing because you're sitting by your grandma. I can't tell that joke in second service because my grandma will actually be in church in second service. And I think I've gotten that from her before. <laughs> Old Spice cologne, you know. This is what I want. I want you to begin to think about your life. I want you to begin to think about many of the worst moments of your life. And I want you to, to think, but I'm still here. I'm still standing. And actually, many of those moments didn't, they hurt in the moment, but they actually led to something better in my life. 
It led to something better. Some of you are this Christmas, you're thankful that that guy rejected you because he actually pushed you into the arms of someone who would truly love you. Some of you thought that first marriage was gonna be the end of you, but it wasn't because that rejection, that broken place actually propelled you into a new place and you found someone that would love you the way you are and take care of you and not abuse you and not talk to you the way they talk to you. God loves to take our pain and turn it in to purpose. He does. Can I tell you, when you serve God, you have to be willing to be the only and the first. Can you imagine Mary? She's the only one throughout history who was a virgin who carried a child. She's the only and she's the first. Sometimes with God, you have to be willing to be the only one. And sometimes you have to be willing to be the first because what if God wants to do something in you that he's not done before? There's precedent in that all through scripture. How about Peter? Peter, you, if you wanna do something spectacular, you have to be willing to be the first and the only human being to ever walk on water. Somebody has to be the first and somebody has to be the only. We live in a world where everybody wants to be abnormal and normal at the same time. They wanna be unique and accepted at the same time. And God says, if you truly wanna embrace the gift that I have for you, you've gotta be willing to be the one, the first, and the only. And I'm telling you today, it is worth it all. Paul said, all of this stuff that has happened to me has happened for Christ. And I think if we get to the end of our life, no matter how long or how short, if it was done for Christ, then we have truly lived. Can someone say amen? So Father, today in Jesus' name, we thank you for the gift that sometimes we didn't ask for. It doesn't look like what we asked for. It doesn't sound like what we asked for. It didn't come wrapped like we thought it would come wrapped. We asked for a king. You gave us a baby. But God, help us to understand that sometimes you give us something that we've got to raise, something that we've got to mature in, something that we have to develop. Don't let us push away the gift because when we push away the gift, not only do we push away our development, but we push away the key. And what should have happened in a moment takes years. So God, help us to, to embrace being conformed into the image of Christ. What is truly your purpose for our lives is that we would look more and more like you. And sometimes difficulty is a part of that. Sometimes pain is a part of that. But we, we understand when you came to the shepherds that day, you told them, you said this, you said, fear not. <laughs> I've got good news for you. This gift is, is not something that you should fear. This is not something you should be afraid of. This is good news for you. And when you left, you said, I don't want you to be afraid. Trouble is gonna come your way, but do not be afraid. I have overcome the world. I just, I just came to tell your people today that no matter what they're experiencing or what they're going through, the, the, the Lord says to you, do not be afraid. Fear not, this is good news. You said, but Rob, it's bad news. No, fear not, it is good news. It's a, it's, it's a good report because whatever it is, 
Whatever has happened, whatever he has allowed in your life, if he doesn't, if he doesn't stop it, he's given you the power to walk through it. He's given you the power to, to teach others. He's given you the power to save others. He's given you the power to glorify him. He's given you influence and witness. So many stories of people who have been dealt horrible uh, diagnosis and, and, and the people that they have witnessed and, and seen saved in hospitals and, and while they're receiving treatment, the conversations they've had and the lives that have been changed. And, and, and even when people die and pass away, the lives that are changed because of their death, because to be absent from the body isn't really to be absent. It's to be present with the Lord. We know that even death doesn't conquer us because death cannot kill what doesn't die. So death isn't even the end. Death is a gift. It's a gift that present, it's, we present ourselves as a gift to God, even in death. So every single time the enemy loses, and God, we give you glory this morning that you have given us good news of great joy to all people. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody shouted amen.